Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So faith is our part. God's part of the covenant is provision, right? Our part is faith. So we don't tire of doing our part because that's our part. So we don't tire of learning about our part. Do you think there's more to learn? Yeah. So when we know our part, that's what gives us security. We know God's part. He never lets down on that. So if there's a breakdown of somewhere of it not happening, then it's on our part. So we just want to know better how to do our part of something. Amen. So it's a joy to do our part. You know, it's Paul said this, it's not troublesome for me to repeat myself. So it's uh, not a lack of revelation to be repetitious. So it's not, uh, it shows understanding on the part of a minister to repeat, to, for me to repeat myself. Because how many of you parents said, if I have not told you a thousand times how to clean that toilet? Well, thousand and one, and, and 10 more years now be 5,000. And then finally, 20 years later, somebody else shows them and they heard, like they heard it for the first time, okay? <laughs> so it shows understanding on the part of a parent to repeat oneself, but it shows uh, maturity on the part of the person listening to understand that you need repetition. Um, we should believe in repetition as much as Satan, because that's all he ever uses with you. Same old, same old. Same old negative, same old uh, Achilles heel, same old home movies playing your past. He is, a, he is a master of repetition. We should be better at repetition than him. But he, he doesn't feel the need to come up with something new. He just tries the same old, same old on you, and we fall for it. But we want to go like, oh, I know, I need to hear something new. Yeah, that's our downfall. The Bible calls it in the last days, people will keep teachers to themselves. That means they will choose who they want to teach them, as if the student is smarter than the teacher, as if the student could actually choose the correct teacher uh, that, that caused their itching ears. In other words, their ears to feel, oh, that was nice, that was lovely, thank you, that was delicious. Yeah, marshmallow cream in a jar, right? I have not brought marshmallow cream. So the title of the message, I think it's up on the screen or will be, is um, Are You Undisturbed or Are You Perturbed? Yeah. Are you perturbed in life or are you undisturbed? This is an important question. Amen. Um, basically, if we think we've, uh, there's nothing new to learn on the subject of faith or guarding our hearts or renewing our minds, then um, it's like saying we've exhausted the mind of God on a subject. <laughs> is that possible? Nope, and, and not, not even because since we're only using little bits of our, our brain, I don't even want to, I don't think it's 10% now. Uh, but since we're not even fully functioning in that, uh, those brain cells, we don't want to think we've exhausted the mind of God on the subject. But, you know, do you hear differently at different times? Do, if, if somebody were to tell you how to defrag your computer uh, at 6.30 in the morning or 11.30 in the morning, how many of you would retain more at 11.30? Yeah. So if I get out of bed and I'm trying to drink my first cup of coffee and you need to t- explain to me how I need to set the defrag program on my computer, it's not going in. I don't even, I'm not even going to say that 1%. Nothing's penetrating until that first cup of coffee is down. And then the, there's a law of diminishing returns on how much goes in slowly. About 11 to 6 is when I'm at best hour. So do we hear differently at different times? So we need the constant repetition. Maybe you were listening to a message in your car and there was a lot of traffic and you were making your grocery list and you, you heard part of it, you listened to it the next day and you're like, did I even listen to that? Has that ever happened to anybody? Like, was I even in that service? Because I don't remember anything said and yet we, we were overly awed with what we think we remember. So God is uh, merciful that he constantly repeats himself. So we hear differently at different times. So perturbed means this disturbed or disquieted greatly in mind, to be agitated, to throw into disorder and derange. That doesn't mean deranged as in mentally. It means if you've arranged something orderly, now you've de-arranged it. So it's not arranged. Bothered, annoyed, irritated, upset, flustered, vexed, anxious, restless, and uneasy. So how many of you found yourself at least one of those? About every five minutes, right? Or at least once an hour. So maybe we're driving down the road and we're on I-4. Look, people, 
there's always an accident on I-4. That is not a poor confession, but plan on it every day of your life because somebody is not paying attention. Now, how is the $64,000 question? There are no traffic lights, there are no stoplights. We're all going the same direction at the same time, and yet we still crash into each other. How this is possible, I don't know. Jesus will tell you when you, you get to heaven. Somebody's putting on mascara, or texting, or doing something. So it's a permanent condition. So this, this is what I've had to learn in my life. There are spiritual things that we can gain and learn, but there is the natural side. It's the natural and the supernatural together that make an explosive force for God. So uh, years back, I used to leave 15 minutes in my day planner for what if, or I didn't expect that. You know, 15 minutes build your coffee on your blouse, you got to the, out to the car, in my case, I forgot to get gas, I proverbially forget to get gas, and uh, so, oops, I need to stop and get gas, and so, but now 15 minutes has become not enough, because people do, are doing more things than they used to do, so I have to leave 30 minutes in my schedule, so technically it only takes 15 minutes geographically to get through to McDonald's and through the drive-thru to get my coffee, but that's how long it's supposed to take. The same way as in the, the MapQuest says it's 20 minutes from here to Tampa. Anybody ever made it in 20? It's not 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes if there's no cars on the road. And again, the heavens have opened and the angels have parted it for you. <laughs> it's not 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes like measurement by a satellite. But it's 40 minutes plus. So it's not 15 minutes of McDonald's drive to New line. It's 30 minutes because people have arrived not knowing what they feel like eating. Even though they were five cars behind, they had five car lengths to think on, McDonald's does not have a new menu. It has the same thing it had yesterday and the week before, and we're either having chicken or burgers, period. Um, you know, or what kind of soda, Sprite or Coke? Not a lot of choices there for confusion. Um, and now I've noticed, too, because I'm in that line often, that people are reading off text messages from friends and loved ones, possibly, or work orders. Let's see. Oh, no, since you don't have that, you're out of pickles. Anybody ever told, like, they're out of pickles? I was at a restaurant the other day, and uh, Pastor and I were eating, and, and he wanted a lemonade. He often, most often gets lemonade. And they said, we're out of lemonade. And I just, you know, you have that bullfrog blinking. It's not that you are out of lemonade, because when you're overseas and they go, we're out of this, we're out of that, we're like, okay, let's do the short way. You tell me what you do have. Well, we have chicken. I'll be happy with chicken. <laughs> There's 20 things on the list, but they don't have any. Because when they say we didn't get a shipment, didn't come today, it's not coming today, we don't have it, that, that's normal overseas. Okay, what do you have? And just how are you going to prepare it? That'll be fine with me, and I'll eat it with gratefulness and thankfulness that I got food at all and that I didn't have to prepare it. And I'm not eating another protein bar. But here, uh, I just blinked at them because I used to be in the restaurant industry and manage. like, okay, you're out of lemonade because your shipment didn't come. Yes, but right across the street is this thing called Publix. It's a supermarket. So we would get in our car when we didn't get a shipment, and we would go to the store. We would get cream or get milk or get lemonade. They have, they, I saw it, gallons sitting there. That no, it's not. So you don't, you don't just go over there. Not that it's inconveniencing me. I just thought, what an odd thing to say to a customer because you're going to spend a, a couple hundred, you're going to lose a couple hundred bucks today because how many people want lemonade and how many mixed drinks come with lemonade? So you're going to lose. So we don't want to get in our car or have an employee walk across the street to get maybe four jugs of it that are four bucks a piece. That's $16 to make $200. So you're just going to tell me you're out of it. Well, that's fine because I'll just have something else to drink. But how weird is that? So my point is uh, we have constant opportunities to be perturbed, to be flustered. It, people were not getting done what they needed to do. They weren't moving as fast as you. And after all, you had an agenda. So one of the things is you're going to fortify yourself spiritually, but you're going to have to give yourself 30 extra minutes in life so that you can maintain your peace and joy spiritually when you're in the drive through line or they don't have lemonade or someone says you're out of pickles and you're like, again, why don't you go buy a jar of pickles and chop them up and yeah. Burger King says it's our way, but they mean only what we have present today in the building. And so when you're like, I'd like it that way, well, we can't do it for you because we don't have that. Okay. You don't have mayo and you don't have pickles. We should shut down. No, I'm just kidding. So we find ourselves, maybe your coworker was uh, talking too loudly on the phone in the cubicle next to you and you couldn't concentrate. <laughs> 
I don't know where we came up with the idea that we should make sales and service calls all in the same room at the same time on a telephone. And the only separating device was a wall that was three feet above our heads, so we can't see each other, but we can hear each other. So I guess the partition is they don't see you making horrible faces at them, you know, and, and with your little voodoo doll sticking pins all in them because you can hear everything that they're saying. And so they, these society has done things to raise our stress level. So all of us find ourselves flustered, perturbed, vexed, disquieted, anxious, because things are not going, whether we're not getting the food we want, the beverages we want, the traffic's not moving, or so-and-so didn't call me back within five minutes. What are they doing after all? Like they can't pick up the phone and call me back because I had a question. So we all find ourselves in that probably every hour of the day. Amen? But God is a solution. Turn to Philippians 4.10, other than you adjusting your day planner, which, trust me, you'll want to do that. And then while you're waiting in lines, you can, you know, organize your wallet and do all sorts of tasks. Get your schoolwork done. Keep your schoolwork in the car. Philippians 4.10-11. through 11. Paul said this, I was made very happy in the Lord that now you have revived your interest in my welfare after so long a time. Paul is being very diplomatic here and saying, you guys forgot about me and I didn't eat for two years. Thank God you sent the offering. Uh, you were indeed thinking of me. That's a faith statement. But you had no opportunity to show it. Now that I am, not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content which in the Amplified, it says, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I'm in. I know how to be abased and I know how to live humbly. So Paul said this, I'm content with my discontentment. So Paul was not discontent because of anything that he did not have in the natural because Paul was in prison. So, uh, and many times his back was bleeding, he was recovering from wounds, or he was in, in chains. It was very hard to move that way. So he wasn't talking about natural contentment. And he said, I'm content with the fact that I'm discontent about wanting to press farther in my relationship with God. So I have learned. He didn't say, God did it for me. I got hands laid on me. It was endowed through impartation. He said, I have learned how to be undisturbed in the middle of anything rolling around in a ship, a night and a day in the deep, floating on a piece of driftwood, cold, hungry, on the road, walking hours. It would take two years to get to the location that Pastor and the guys just took four and a half days to get to. It would take two years for him. And, and many perils, he would say, along the journey. So what we're trying to do in our life that's causing an increased undisturbedness is we're trying to control all those things I mentioned. And we think by saying something, we improve the situation. <laughs> Expressing our annoyance certainly improves the drive-through speed. Yeah. And that you letting them know at the window how you feel about it, that expedited your service to the next window Why they said, hey, you know, Mrs. Krabby's coming your way. You are what you eat. Quit eating the crab salad. Uh, and so, and we thought sharing our perturbedness with coworkers or friends or relatives or on Facebook uh, would also fix these situations. Or going, they should do this. You think, well, I'm not going to complain about it, but I will tell you how you could do it better or faster, as if they asked. Anybody ever boarded a plane recently? Anyone notice the method of boarding a plane has not changed in millennia? For some God only knows, literally God only knows the reason that the plane is not boarded back to front, window to aisle. As anyone would go, people, right now I can board this plane for you in an expedited manner. We're going to, nope, we're going to board it front to back and just a free for all. And we're going to make sure that everyone trying to stuff a mattress or a dead yak in the overhead bin with a depth perception issue just can just hog the aisle of with their personal universe all about me. Like we all know that this is not going to go in the overhead bin. Yeah. And then they're like, hurry, people, find your seat. Well, if they weren't trying to shove a lamp, a floor lamp, in the overhead bin, we could get to our seat. So um, we're, we're disturbed because we think that we can actually change a circumstance or another human. So if today we'd leave going, I am in control of no human except me, 
and I am in control of no circumstance except my personal one, then we will live a better life. And then God's letting us know how we can live in the middle of chaos undisturbed. Draw a circle around you and dip down and get in that peace and joy. So, uh, and I'm talking to me too. I've been learning this this year. I've spent a lot of time worshiping, waiting for my coffee in the drive-thru because sometimes it takes a long time. If you don't feel like getting out and going, and that is faster, right? Recommend that to you. So he said he had to learn. Faith is undisturbed. If you're going to be a person of faith, you can't be constantly disturbed because you can look at it like this. It's like a tire with air. Every time you become flustered or vexed, psst, air leaks out. Faith leaks out of you. It's, you're going to, it's going to cost you something. And what it's going to cost you is another portion of your faith. And, and you cannot afford to have any less faith. You cannot afford to give people a piece of your mind with so few pieces left. And you cannot afford to uh, keep expending your faith like a leaky tire because you're vexed and upset about something that's not within your power. So Paul said that we could learn. You're going to be tempted to be disturbed. Your body is going to do things to disturb you. It's tired. It's hungry. It wants food. It wants your favorite beverage. It has symptoms. It wants you to lay down. Your body is going to cause you to have temptations to be disturbed. Anybody's mind not cooperate with them sometimes, want to say things that aren't in line with the word. So you're, you're going to be tempted to be disturbed in your own mind. And this is all within you. <laughs> Forget somebody else out there. This is going on that two parts out of three of you are living in an undisturbed manner. And so Paul's saying we're going to strengthen our spirit man because your spirit man's the boss. So you're going to give your body a beat down and you're going to give your mind a smack down. We can learn this, and if Paul could learn it while he was in prison, it's not about the devil leaving you alone either. People think, well, come pray for me, pastor, that the devil will leave me alone. He's just vexing me. If I could get the devil to leave you alone, I'd get him to leave me alone first. I wouldn't waste my faith on you. <laughs> that is not a method authorized in the Bible. The Bible says weapons may form, Isaiah. That means they have permission to form, so they're going to form. You are not authorized to stop them forming. What they're not supposed to be is given permission by you to prosper. Amen. That means to have an effect in your life. They have a right to form because Adam gave over rulership of the earth to Satan. But when Jesus went to the cross and gave you the keys, weapons can come. Put your shield up. They were not supposed to prosper unless you just got tired and dropped your shield. But why would you drop your shield if your armor was on? You have a helmet of salvation. In the Bible, uh, it, literally in warfare time, the shield that they're referencing, we look at the little gladiator movies and we see these little shields that they're holding up, you know, artfully, you know, skillfully, and it's a little round. Their shield was literally the size of that door, that size. They would plant it in front of them. Then they could move around effectively because they weren't holding it. So it was placed in the ground, and it was a shield. So if your shield is intact because you didn't pss, 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 let little leaks out of your faith tire, being annoyed and vexed eight times in eight hours or maybe 16 times once every 30 minutes, um, then your shield is intact, and so the weapons are forming, but they're not prospering you. So it's up to, up to you. And Paul said, we're going to learn this. So we're going to have to learn this like we learn everything else. But uh, faith is worthy of your total focus. It's a fight for focus. So uh, in the military, if anyone's ever watched any shows on the military or training, one of the things they do in basic training and in special forces is they crawl on the ground in full uniform, full gear, head to toe, hat, gun, pack, boots, all of it. And they crawl in a space. I don't know how tall it is. Dad, do you actually know how, what the measurement is? 24 to 36 inches. There's strings above it to where you got to stay completely flat crawling. And while you're doing that, the fun part is bullets are literally whizzing over your head. So if you decide to pop up, not going to be a happy day for you. And sometimes I hear with special forces, they use real ammo. I don't know. I'm not in the military. Uh, but generally in boot camp, they use blanks. And later on, they, they have real live ammo. So you don't want to set up. But a lot of times, some soldiers will freeze up. So they'll just have a meltdown, like we all do, especially women. Uh, and they'll just, I can't go on, you know, cry or whatever, have a meltdown and freeze and stop. 
And they've either, you've got to either talk them out of that position by a soldier alongside on the outside crawling and, and going, you know, you can do it, you can do it and keep moving. Or somebody else has got to go in there literally like warfare would be and drag you forward in that same position, which is really difficult because you can't just leave you there. No, no man left behind. So if that's what's really going on, when, uh, if you're on the ground spiritually, so to speak, if you fall, you don't have far to go. So if in life you decide that I will crawl forward to the throne by having my face prostrate in prayer all the time, weapons can form all around me. Bullets are whizzing over my head, but I got my eye on the prize. I'm just going to keep on barreling. That matter. Don't stand up and don't freak out and have a meltdown. I can't go on. <laughs> yes, you can. No such thing as can't, only won't. So we want to take that same posture. If you need to take that posture, stop, drop, and roll, right? So prostrate on the ground. I just feel like I'm crawling. Yeah? Awesome. Good. Good job. Yeah, try not to eat too much sand while you're down there. Yeah. So every time God brings us into more, I, I ministered a sermon. Was it last week or before that? Beyond you, the more. So if you didn't get that, get it on the podcast. When God wants to bring you into more, there will be challenges in that position. But there will be challenges in the less. Here's the deal. More challenges in the less. So if you go, well, I don't, I don't want any more boss, I don't want to be promoted because I don't want more responsibility. Because with every promotion, did you get a job description and go, oh, now you're going to go from hourly to salary, which means you used to make $15 an hour, but salary means you make $2.50 an hour because you're going to work 80 hours. And if your team's job isn't done, you'll stay an extra 80 and do their work too because the buck stops with you. So people are like, oh, when they, when they realize what promotion and leadership and being the boss manager means, they don't want to do that. But with God, we, we think we can, oh, we'll just stay right here or we'll go, we'll take the less. There's more challenges with the less. And if you think you don't want a promotion at work because you don't want more responsibility, there'll be more challenged to you with the less income. Yeah. So there's challenges either way. You hear me? Cha you are not going to get out of the challenge. You can go move forward with God and you will have challenges that you'll be authorized by grace to overcome. Or you can move back into the less and have double the challenges you would have had in the more with no grace to overcome them. Take your pick. Deuteronomy, blessing, cursing. Let me recommend what you choose. Um, when you back up from the more, the enemy has extra challenges to send you. So we might as well just, Paul said, press. Just press forward. It's easier. You don't need to fear that. How many of you have tried to back up from something and found out that didn't work? Or actually, you didn't back up. You realized you were the Israelites. You went around the mountain. Yeah, circle. Man, I've seen that rock before. Geez, every month we go, or every year we go through this. And so we always dogging the Israelites, like, how could they do that? Look at, look at our lives where we're actually doing that. Man, we're in the same situation or worse off. Because somewhere you miss that opportunity to press for the more with those challenges. So you can't go around stuff, amen? You can get strong and learn to face the challenges, though, and be undisturbed in them. So you're not going to get out of new challenges in society, new challenges in your relationships, new challenge with your finances. What you have to learn to do is be undisturbed and stop being perturbed about everything, not going your way. No one is interested in you having anything your way. Anybody notice that besides me? Okay. <laughs> And in the kingdom of God, it is a theocracy, not a democracy. So it is his way, but when it's his way, that's the highest way because his way is better than our way. So we're thrilled that something is finally not our way because now it's going to work out for us. Because if everyone were to give you your way anyway, it still wouldn't help you. We just think it would help. If you just do it the way I want it done, it, it would be better. Really? Who died and made you God? <laughs> Faith for, for living peaceful and joyful in the midst of trials and temptations. Instead of wasting faith on something God has not authorized you to use it on, I'm going to use my faith to get Satan to quit bothering me. You are wasting your faith, and that's how Satan will make you feel like a faith failure and defeated. If he can't get you to backslide and dance on the bar and do things like that, he's going to drive you forward, get you out beyond your measure, misusing your faith and where you're discouraged. Oh, well, this thing doesn't work, and I'm a faith failure. It works for everybody else, but maybe it's just not for me. I don't know how to push all the buttons and do it right. Yeah, because you're doing it in your own strength. So faith is for the test. It's not to, why do we let go of faith the moment we find a test? As if we go, oh, I'm at a test. I must have done it wrong. 
Jesus said, in this life, you have, so he already told you the test was part of your normal life. So we think when we are in a test, all of a sudden we failed. No faith that you heard every Sunday morning and every Sunday night was for you to whip out, dip down, draw out, and now use in the middle of the test. And here's the difference. How long you stay in that test is exclusively up to you. So if you want to get from the Red Sea to the Promised Land in three days, which was geographically possible, (laughs) then you dip down and you learn how to be undisturbed and you march on. But if you want to take the long way, the scenic route, the 40-year route, from the Red Sea of Deliverance, you can. And the right way we respond to the test gets us out. When we respond wrongly to the test, we stay in the test. Did they respond wrongly? They weren't three days out before they complained and murmured. One of the things that will hold you in a test is complaining and murmuring. And people are like, well, I'm not complaining. Did you just state the problem? That's a complaint. And we're like, oh, I thought I was just stating the problem. You didn't address the solution, you addressed the problem. What do you think complaining is? Yeah, it's constantly going, this is the problem and this is what's wrong. I don't even like people to ask me what's wrong. No, you can ask me what has not yet been made right in my life by the word and the spirit, but don't ask me what's wrong because there's nothing wrong because it's all going to be ordered to right. Yeah, because if it, I approach something that hasn't yet been made right by the word and the spirit, I'm going to order it right. It's going to get right. So I'm ever increasing moving towards that. And I can be strong about that because when I turned 40, which was a long time ago, uh, the Lord addressed that because all women say that all their life if left unchecked. What's wrong with me? And the Lord said, don't you ever say that again. See, God is kind, but he is very firm. And you ought to be grateful when he rebukes you. Don't you ever say that. And he said, this is what you can say. What has not yet been made right in your life by my word and my spirit in this area? You may ask that, but you may never ask the question again. Don't ask somebody else thinking you love them, going, honey, what's wrong? You have asked them to state the problem, and therefore you have asked them to complain. You have now qualified them to stay in their test rather than expedite it out by their wrong, improper response. Amen? We hold fast no matter what comes. We're going to be undisturbed in our joy and peace if we don't act like a victim. You think, well, I don't act like a victim. When you're upset because the drive through line's not moving fast enough, that's a victim mentality. I'm being victimized here by everybody else's les incompetents. Yeah, that's a victim mentality. When things, my boss overlooked me. You've taken on a victim mentality and given somebody else. So we are playing the victim role. So when you want to feel like a victim, you want to go to bed like a victim, you want to wake up like you've been victimized because someone did either not do something for you you thought was your right or did something to you that you don't think should have been done to you. You're victimized. And when you're victim, you're not a faith person. Yeah, because you've decided that when God said, I give you the keys, you're in full control of every aspect of your life, spirit, soul, and body, you said, no, they are. I don't believe you, God. You're a liar because they did something to me that was not in my control. We need to stop. And before we go, wait a minute, that will cause you, God will still love you, but she will stay in that test. You will be held in your present position like these ones until you decide to become a better vessel. Who gets to do the changing of the vessel? Yeah, so Jesus said there's vessels of wood, there's vessels of clay, there's vessels of silver and gold. Which one do you want to be? God is no respecter of person. So maybe you started out a vessel of wood or vessel. Don't stay there. 30, 60, 100 fold soil. Jesus said there's three kinds of of soil that won't produce at all. But the 25 out of 100 that will produce, they're 30, 60, 100 fold. So you can choose to be a producer and then you can choose how much you produce. And, and God said, right here are the tools. So when the soil does not work like I want it to work, the bush is not growing in my yard, I naturally assume it's not my fault. I followed the directions. I gave you water last month, my word. And, you know, food one time. I mean, how much care do we need here? If we're just too needy, we don't belong in this yard. The strong only going to survive, and you people need to learn to be self-sufficient in this yard. But if this, I will think, okay, the soil is not working. I need to run down, take a picture of this plant, and go down to Lowe's and go, this is what I have, and it's here. Uh, no, I'm not going to pay for a soil test, but just what else should I add? Give me a little bag of something, going to add that. So are we in charge of changing the soil? When the soil in our heart is not producing, go down to Lowe's, the book, <laughs> and get some soil modification and mix it in there and make that soil better and richer. And like me, if we need to, hey, I don't know what I need, so I'll just take all three bags and we'll just put a little of everything in and mix it up and it'll be good. And then um, it'll, <laughs> it'll either grow or explode at that point. I don't know. 
Okay, so God intends for you to pass through the test. He said, you're going to have tests, and he intended for the Israelites just to pass right on through the land of giants, didn't he? Caleb and Joshua came back, and, and see, life is about your perspective. One person will sit in a service and hear, they'll say, that was the best service, and another person will go, I don't think I got anything out of that. Same sermon, two different sets of ears, two different sets of soul in the heart, and two different eyes, two different sets of perspective. Like someone, if they'll look at blue and they'll go, that's blue, and someone else will go, that's not blue, that's clearly green. <laughs> okay, some things are not necessarily right or wrong. They, they are perspective on that. And so God uh, expected us to pass through the test. So Caleb and Joshua, they went with the 12. They were only two. Ten people had wrong vision. They decided to look through their glasses. Well, let me just call it like I see it. I see this, I see giants, and they're really big. And in, in our sight, our sight were grasshoppers. They weren't grasshoppers. They were giants in their sight, and they didn't know the perspective that God had already planned because when Joshua finally showed up to Jericho 40 years late, because Jericho was supposed to be defeated 40 years earlier, they're like, where you been for 40 years? Because Rahab said, we heard your story 40 years ago. And when we heard, our hearts melted within us. God had already altered the situation. So your provision, your money, everything you need is already there. But you'll just go around circles. And you think God's withholding it. Or you haven't prayed enough. You haven't, no, just do the known will of God. But you're going to pass it. Go right back around and stay in that. And it was sitting there all along because God has already foreseen and provided everything you need, body, soul, and spirit, into your future. But if you want to do what the Israelites, take a little journey. But you know what? Even though Joshua and Caleb are with that, and that means uh, be careful of the people you're around because their blessing is your blessing, but their consequences are yours too. So they were involved in these consequences. But when that day was up, Caleb came to Joshua, and he was 80. He said, give me my mountain. I'm now ready to take it. He still had to take that mountain, but he took that mountain at 80. He kicked butt, did not take names. Cleaned out those giants, killed them all, and took that land. He said, this has been my inheritance. In other words, for 40 years, I have waited for this day and never got my eyes off the prize. I'll take it now. And he lived a lot longer to enjoy it, and so did his descendants. So God, that's the old covenant blessing. God has got more for you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 16.9. You doing okay? Yeah. We're, we're, gonna t we're leaving this year with everything that God authorized us for have ready to take in everything on day one of the new year that he's got for us, right? Nothing lacking, nothing broken. We're not going to be behind. You're going to have to determine that for yourself, though. So whatever you haven't uh, accomplished yet this year, go ahead and catch up spiritually. Amen? I want 1 Corinthians. I'm in 2 Give me a second. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. You there? Paul said this, A wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to me. There a great and promising one. And that means along with that, what? There are many adversaries. So every time God leads you into more, Satan is not going to congratulate you. Oh, awesome. God's blessing you. You're so awesome. You deserve it. High five. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to congratulate you on your more the same way most of your coworkers uh, don't sincerely, I should say. Um, so take your pen right now, and wherever you see the word adversary, write the word in all caps above it, defeated. And every time you read in the Bible the word adversary, defeated. So what you need to read it is, yes, I have a great door, effectual door, open for me an opportunity, and before me are many defeated adversaries. They're already defeated. I'm not going in, the, in there to defeat them. Joshua and Caleb knew that they could not possibly defeat the giants, but they believed God had already defeated them. They're like, hey, when we go, we just saw God part the Red Sea and drown the whole Egyptian army. And some theologians say it was only one inch of water. Well, that would have even been a greater miracle. The whole Egyptian army was drowned in one inch of water. And so they'd already seen God do things. They knew their part was to go, and God had already gone before them to cause the victory. So whenever you walk into a new situation, expect challenges, but expect the provision to already be there. Lord, you've already authorized me to take this ground to win, and so I thank you for the grace. Now I'm going to just listen to you and not be distracted. Because see, if Satan can get your attention, he's got your faith. Your fight for faith is a fight for focus. 
Never forget that. Repeat that to yourself. Say that. My fight for faith is a fight for my focus. To be undisturbed, I will have to be undistracted. You know, there's six doors in my house, entry, exit doors. If five of them are locked, can an enemy still get in? So you have to look at the house of your life and go, what doors am I letting distractions just funnel in? That I'm not shutting off the distractions because the word pay attention means you will have to pay for wherever your attention's going. That means it will cost you wherever your attention's going. So if it's going on the wrong thing, or maybe it's not necessarily think, well, it's not the wrong thing, but is it the right thing? If it's not the right thing, it's the wrong thing. If it's not your destiny, it's your distraction. It might be someone else's destiny, but not yours. So it's not their distraction, but what's not their distraction doesn't mean it's not distracting to you. So when they say, hey, this come over here and join me, don't leave company A to go to company B because that's their destiny. And be careful about pulling people out of theirs and onto yours too. Okay, just because we're having a good time doesn't mean we want to distract people. The older you get, what you'll value more than anything is peace. Things are nice. And when you're young, you kind of tolerate a lack of peace. I recommend that you not, though, because you'll covet peace, and that's quietness, rest. The word peace in the Bible includes rest, quiet, and prosperity. So that means peace is part of that prosperity, and part of peace is prosperity. You'll covet that. Things are nice, but things come and go. I'm not saying it's it's wrong to have things. In other words, at some point, those things should just be part of your life that you weren't trying to obtain them. You sought first the kingdom, and they came through the door of the kingdom, so you can care less whether they're present or not. They can come in, and, and they can go. Refuse to let test or opposition have your peace. So uh, what you can do in the, let's look at Psalms 23. Turn there. Let me show you that. You know, anyone can be peaceful when Satan's not opposing them. Oh, I'm peaceful because I just have that personality. Well, wait till Satan starts opposing you. He's not always dogging your walk. Most of the stuff going on in your life is of your own making. Satan's not omnipresent. It's just your flesh. You're just, uh, you're um, causing difficulties in your own life. How many of you would agree with that? It's, it's the man in the mirror. It's me. The biggest problem in my life is not Satan and not anyone else. It's me. Because, again, we're dealing with our body and our soul. So Psalms 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack uh, or any good thing. He makes me to lie down. That's a place of rest in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That restore my soul means he restores my mind, my will, and my emotions. If my uh, mind is disturbed and disquieted and my emotions are all vexed and fluttered and I'm frustrated, then we're not, we've gotten out of that place in, on the inside. And when you try to control it and go, oh, I just need to be at home away from all these crazy people. Again, you're trying to control external circumstances. I mean, in the midst of chaos. You could be in a foreign country uh, and, and war broke out, and you're like, I've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Why do I need to be upset or disquieted? Either I'll make a difference or I'll make a difference on my way out, and I won't get home. But again, celebrate me. Don't call me back if I go. You be, I'll slap you silly. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Wigglesworth's wife did that. He raised her from the dead, and she's like, Smith, what are you doing? He's like, I can't do it without you. Yes, you can. Can and you will. No such thing as can't, only won't, Smithy. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he had to, but, but the, um, what happened in his ministry, and this is not a sidetrack, somebody must need to hear it, is that's the years that the dead were raised and all the miracles came because he wasn't dependent on, on her and her anointing because she was the minister first. So God had more for him, right? He just had to be willing to go through it. Okay, so back to you. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're walking through the valley. You're going to walk through valleys. The Vado to on the way to every mountain in your life is a valley. Yes? Okay, last time I checked, I was in the mountains a few months ago. There's the mountain, and there's the valley, and there's the other mountain. So if we're going to go to the mountain, oh, you're staying on the mountaintop. Well, when you get to the top, where are you going? Down the other side into the valley. So this is life. But Jesus said you were to go through. You weren't to stop. You weren't to sit down. You weren't to collect rocks. You weren't to pitch a tent. You weren't to get a camper. You weren't to build a cabin. You were to keep on going, keep on walking. These shoes are made for walking. So you were to, you want to rest? Rest on the mountaintop where the view's good. 
Don't stop in the valley and rest. You're going through the valley. And two, it's not the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow. In other words, something is appearing to be there or real that is not actually as close as it appears. It's the shadow. And just remember, when, when Peter and Paul and even Wigglesworth shadow touched people, it healed them. So I don't care what shadow of evil is around you. When you walked in, you walked in with light, and that was supposed to dispel the shadow. It is well with your soul. You took wellness into that situation. So when I'm walking through the valley, I'm not scared about all the shadows. They left because they're scared of me. Yeah. Make hell afraid of you when you get up by saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Thou preparest a table before me in the presence. Thou arrangest and orders. So in other words, God has given you a gift certificate to a dinner at Burns. If you don't know what that is, Google it. It's the best restaurant in the world to Burns. And here's what it looks like. You're going to have to sit at the table to feast in the presence of your enemies. So enemies are going to be all around you and you are not authorized to stop them from the weapons. Anybody ever eaten dinner with a two-year-old? Yeah. And so Satan is a permanent two-year-old. All the voices in your life. I've got the plan of God. I've got the word. I've got prayer. And Satan is authorized to schedule my distraction. But he is not authorized to schedule my destruction. But here's what we do. I'm just going to get up from the table and take care of you. What did you just do? You got up from the table. You paid for that attention. Anywhere your attention goes paid. What is your job in the midst of this distraction? To my body, to my mind, to my soul. I'm eating in the presence of my enemies. Stop being surprised that the enemy is present while you're feasting. I'm just going to enjoy another piece of pizza. Yeah. And so if I am undisturbed, will I have to practice that? I have to practice being undisturbed and undisquieted. You will fight for your focus, which is a fight of faith. Thank you, Lexi. She's great at that. The enemy is not at the table. You have a seat at the table. You are seated with Christ. You are to stay seated and you are to stay focused. Don't get up from this place of feasting. But everything that's going on around you is permitted to continue. You are not authorized to have to change any of it. Stay seated. But that's going to take some practice. There are many voices and none without significance. You're going to have to decide what Satan is saying is not important. You're going to have to decide what some other people are saying is not important to you. Mary and Martha, anybody ever heard of them? In these last days, which we're living in, you will have to become skillful at understanding needful versus important. Martha was doing something important, wasn't she? Jesus commands us to be hospitable. He commands you to have people in your home. He didn't say you had to make a home-cooked meal. Pizza's good. Um, He commanded us to be hospitable. She was doing something important. It was good. It was right. It was even godly. But she got in trouble. Why? Because she didn't understand the difference between what was needful at that moment versus what was important. And Jesus said, Martha, you're busy. You're anxious fretful about many things, not just dinner. He was addressing, this is the way you live all the time internally. And because of that, not this moment, because she knew the man, her best friend, that had just taken five crackers and two sardines and fed 5,000, like she needed to go make the pot roast. Okay, she just was forgetful of this. He was addressing her motive operandi. Martha, your motive operandi in life has now gotten you in a place that you could not tell like Mary, that what was needful at this moment was for you to sit at my feet. Jesus told the disciples for three years, he said, I called them that they would be with me. He didn't tell them to go work for him. He said, be with me. And so Jesus was saying, right now, what is needful for you is to be with me, stay in that place of peace and quietness of rest and work out of that place. And then you will understand because there are many things that are important in our lives and are not sin and they may be good, but you better know by the Holy Ghost what is needful this hour, this day for me to do. Because how many of you keep rolling your task list over the next day? And we got, we, we got January's calendar out, February's calendar out, because, hey, those came out in September. We ran 
nobody's shaking their head. It's just me, yeah. I'm like, oh, goody, it's September 1st. I love Staples. I'm going down to Staples to get my 2020 calendar because I'm going to fill it all in. Yeah, that's my idea of a good time. And people are like, you're weird. I know, but it works for me. Uh, so the Lord has told us how to practice this. Joshua 1.8 told you what to fix your mouth on. This book of the law would not depart out of your mouth. So it's fixed your mouth. So you don't have to be express your uh, flustered anxiety, perturbedness. He told you in Proverbs 4 what to fix your eyes on. Your eyes were to attend. Attend means to put your eyeballs on, not just to put the podcast in your ear. That your, your eyes will be fixed on that. Isaiah, what is it, 26.3, told you that, uh, that you would be stable if your mind was fixed, fixed, fixed. Not constantly on, off. This is not something that we can stop and start and succeed. So we're going to press to be skillful with it. Um, if you've been in my prayer class, I've been reading you Brother Lawrence's book and how he said every day he would press. He would focus and concentrate on, he was cutting carrots in the kitchen. And he would concentrate on doing that task, but his mind on God, his mind on God, his mind on God. It took him years. It was very difficult, very frustrating for him, but that was his life's goal, that he would um, have unbroken fellowship with God no matter what. He was a very busy man and full of activity all day long, but he learned after years because he made that fight of faith his sole focus. And that's what Paul said. doesn't matter what's going on. I press for the prize of the high calling of the prize. So... Uh, God cannot do his part in your life if you don't do yours. So we're, wait, we're going, God, you know, I need you, I need you to do this, do this. We're praying about things that God's already done, and we're not even sitting long enough to wait for him to respond to go, hey, it's your turn. Yeah, I need you to do this. So the other day, I'm teaching the prayer class. It always helps me. I don't teach the prayer class because I'm the perfect prayer. I'm grateful to teach it because I need to learn more every year. And um, so I sat in the, and I did their homework assignment. What, it, what is that the Holy Ghost needs to address with you? What is the one thing that I have not done that's needful to do that, you, that obviously you've already told me to do? See, it's not that we don't know. I would, I would dare say almost none of you are in a position that you're waiting on a new instruction from God. <laughs> it's probably omission. You're like, mm, I was working on it. I was processing it. I was going to get to that. Didn't realize the whole year's gone by. Um, and I haven't really attended to that. So naturally, I figured I knew what God was going to say to me. And sure enough, he gave me the answer that I already knew I would hear. He said, you need to do this. So I got on about the business of it. So we are not waiting for God to do his part. Uh, if Satan can get your attention, there is no limit to what he will bring to your life. He'll funnel in. Sewage runs downhill. But if God can hold your attention, there's no limit to what he'll bring into your life. And so your life is going to follow your attention. And so that's why Satan is doing everything he can to fight for it because you're going to pay attention. So wherever you pay your attention, it will cost you. So you can put your attention on everything that Satan's offering or you can put your attention on everything God is offering. But will you pay a price for that? Yeah, but there's a reward. The price is never greater than the prize. Never. So right. either way, you're going to pay is what I'm saying. You're going to pay for one or the other. Take the one that doesn't cost you everything and you get nothing for. Take the one over here that you'll pay a price, but it will not be greater than the prize you will get for it. So fight for your focus because either way you're going to pay. It's just what do you want to pay? Amen. Go to Mark 4, 37. You okay? You know, what your tension on affects your heart. Uh, sometimes things aren't, again, I'm not always talking about sinful things in your life, but maybe there's just some things that you've listened to or, or newscast or movies or something that, or, that are just sad, that steal your joy, steal your peace, and like, oh, you know, it's just like every day is full of bad news, crime and stuff. Uh, you have to, you're going to have to limit your attention on that just because it's going to fatigue you. It's going to uh, depress your emotions, so you're going to feel some fatigue on that. It's okay to extricate. If anything's really life-altering, someone will inform you, but you don't have to turn the news on, certainly first thing in the morning every day, and hear everything that's wrong in the earth and what everyone's upset about. Okay, so Mark 4:37, we see the storm. It says, there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ships that it was now full. And he was in, Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship asleep. So what was Jesus' posture in the midst of a storm? You might want to try that. Yeah, undisturbed. Why? When Jesus, when they got, before they got into the boat, the verse above that, Jesus said, boys, we're going to the other side. He already told them the end from the beginning. 
So he already gave them something for their faith to rest in. We're going to the other side. And Jesus was not, oh my God, God didn't tell me about this. I didn't know there was going to be a storm. I don't know what to do. People will get upset when you won't get upset with them. In fact, they'll tell you you're cold and heartless. The person throwing you the life preserver, you don't want in a panic because you're going to drown and you're probably going to kill them too. So stop kicking their shin because they won't cry with you. They're handing you the box of tissues. Let me know when you're done. Then we can proceed with fixing the problem. Yeah, why are we angry at people that are strong and call them cold? Because they don't have the wrong response we're having towards a situation. Aren't you grateful that there's help for you out of that? If you wanted company in it, then you needed to find somebody miserable, not stronger. Because it's misery loves company. Misery does not like the strong unless misery wants to change. Yeah. But there's a difference between talking about a problem and changing a problem, right? So he's asleep on the pillow. And uh, notice what Peter does. Runs down there, wakes Jesus up, and says, don't you care that we're perishing? So the person that's upset accuses everyone around them of not caring and begins to attack other people as if other people are the problem. We don't have lemonade because you wouldn't go get some. We're out of pickles and the line's long. In other words, everything is everybody else's fault. Well, I wouldn't be this way if so, da 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 Well, I wouldn't feel this way if you didn't make me feel this way. It's always blaming, the blame game. It started in the garden, but let's not perpetrate it. <laughs> You're authorized to be full control of your life. And Jesus was irritated at them because he'd already taught them how to talk to things. And he said, why didn't you handle the storm? He gets up and he goes, peace be still. You guys could have said, peace be still, and I could have finished my nap. Hey, what did he ask him? Where's your faith? In other words, Peter, who told you you were perishing? Satan told you you were perishing. You didn't listen to me, and that vexes Jesus. You want to offend Jesus? You want to offend the Holy Ghost? Don't listen. So as a parent, you want, you, you, any parent will say, when I'm mad at my kids, it's because they didn't listen to me. Told them not to touch that, not to do that, and they didn't listen. Why? Because I was telling them something for their good, not their harm. Now they're harmed, and I've got to live with those consequences. We're all in it. So Jesus was, was legitimately vexed. You didn't listen. I said, we're going to the other side, and you run down here and go, who told you you were perishing? Satan told you you were perishing. You chose to listen to him over me? Wow. Yeah. So when the storm is coming to your life, who are you going to listen to? The banker, the doctor, Satan, your relatives, your neighbor, the economist, the paid news media to tell you what somebody's paid them to tell you, which is no longer truth. Or are you going to go, Jesus, you said go into the other side. You said the fire has no power on my body. You said if I tithe, you would rebuke the fire. That's the one thing that you told me to prove you in. You think God is going to be mocked? He said that. I, prove me. This is your right in this instance to force my hand to prove me, and he, I won't be mocked. Yeah, so Jesus, you said. And look, if you die and you go to heaven, you can ask Jesus, why didn't it happen? And guess what his answer will be? Will you, it'll start with you, and then whatever sentence, you didn't or whatever. So it'll be on your part regardless, but he'll lovingly say, come on in, or you have to go back. <laughs> You're not finished. So Jesus gave him the answer before the storm. So does Jesus have the answer before the storm's coming? Storm might be coming to your life tomorrow. Big deal. Might be coming next week. But is the answer already there? It's supposed to be. So either dip down and get it out of here or go here if you didn't put it on the inside. Amen? If you can get a person's attention, you can get access to everything. If I can get somebody's attention... I can access their spiritual life. I can help them improve their bank account. I can help them improve whatever. If I'm a running coach, if I can get someone's attention, I can access every area of their life. So if Satan can get your attention, can he access every area? If he can get your attention in your body, can he have your finances and everything else? So be careful who you let have access, who you give your attention to. Because whoever you're giving your attention to can access every other area of your life. You can't compartmentalize it. So with the mind of Christ, we're to have a balanced life. Amen? So I'll tell you a story in closing. Go ahead and stand with me. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, and I think Lester Summerall has a story similar to that too. Uh, 
he was very practiced, these men and women of God that we can study and learn from their example in addition to our faith heroes in the Bible on being undisturbed. They didn't start out that way. They had to learn. So he wakes one night and um, to a disturbance he hears or sees in the room, and it's Satan sitting on the end of his bed. And he's like, oh, it's just you. And he goes back to sleep. So Satan, in his famous Grim Reaper you know, costume, which he likes, that's his favorite, uh, appears at the end of your bed. And another time with uh, Lester, he uh, saw a di- heard a disturbance and walked down the stairs in his house and flipped on the light. And he out was there with Satan with the whole Grim Reaper get up. And he said, oh, it's just you. So they both had the same sort. Interesting, though, that uh, Lester Summerall received the mantle of Wigglesworth. But they had to study and learn these things. So if you flip on the light and Satan has moved your room, your bed, across the room from the left to the right, and he's standing there in his Grim Reaper con costume waiting for your response, your proper response will be, oh, it's just you. Then turn the light out and go back to bed. Or and how about this? And by the way, put it back. Yeah, put it back because he's got to put stuff back. Or you can have the wrong response and then he got your attention. Anybody ever, when they were a kid, um, brother, sister, neighborhood kid, picking on you and some nice adult, teacher or parent, taught you the skill of ignoring? And they would say, if you'll just ignore them, they'll stop doing that. But because they're getting a rise out of you, they're going to keep it up. And so you had to be good at ignoring. And some people, when you ignored them, it was torture. And then you figured out how to torture them. (laughs) So when Satan is trying to get your attention... If you respond wrongly by giving him the attention, he's going to keep repeating that tactic. So we don't want to give our attention to when he's trying to get it because then he can't figure out how to get to you. No, I'm just going to be undisturbed, disquieted. He should not be able to figure out anymore what your quote-unquote Achilles heel is, right? So we want to move through the end of this year into next year learning by the Word and the Spirit to be undisturbed, instead of perturbed in the middle of our everyday circumstance. You're not, stop wasting your time trying to alter the circumstance. What can be altered by the word and the spirit coming out of your mouth and moving forward with God will automatically alter itself through you being in right standing and speaking in right standing to that. The Lord will show you what you're to address. He addresses not problems, he addresses future potential. God creates So when he creates something that's kingdom-oriented, seek first the kingdom, all the things line up. So you can waste time and energy trying to fix all the things and all the people in your life that you have no authority over. Or you can just say, God, what say you? What say you? And it's a forward momentum constantly. And that's full of grace, full of peace, and full of joy. Light and easy, right? And you're like, geez, this is fun. Yeah, a 1,000 fell at my left and 10,000 at my right still light and fun and easier like oh well that that looks really bad that was a sad day for them but not me yeah <laughs> like god's sure there's a lot going on around here but just keep on barreling when i was um and i'm gonna have you pray because i always do a closing this this story comes to me my last trip on an airline we fly a lot so it's we've had to learn uh, to be disquieted my thing is i just don't board the plane till the last thing because i don't like to sit and I go, when they start boarding, I go and get my Starbucks leisurely. And I sip, you know, and I enjoy myself. I love to people watch. And so I'm going to board with the last group. And so, but Pastor, when I travel with him, he's going to board with the first group. But anyway, if I'm on with the first group because he's with me, I'll sit and enjoy my Starbucks in my seat. I love to watch what's going on in the aisle. And of course, the different things they're, they're dropping into the, or trying to shove into the overhead bin. So on this last trip, I've got my cell phone because you don't have to turn off yet. I'm enjoying my Starbucks, and I'm, I'm, I always take the aisle seat. And so I have uh, this person coming on board. It was Halloween I was traveling on. So I was like, this was a very, I forgot. It was a very unique, I thought, some people I could tell were in costume, but the odd thing was not that they were in costume. The odd thing was the people that were dressed that way normally that weren't in costume. It was very hard to tell at some moments who was in, who was in costume or who was like trying and didn't quite make it there because the people dressed so oddly. They dress in their pajamas. I'm like, I don't know if that's costume. So it was a very interesting day in the airport and then sitting on the um, thing. I have seen a lot of things, but I had not seen ski poles be attempted to be stuffed in the overhead bin. So I was like, this is going to be good. (laughs) 
So I, instead of being upset like everybody else has served or quiet, I have learned to go, we're going to get a coffee and we're going to watch the show. And we're going to see. And then I'm texting friends and family at Fire with Elias. I said, this was a great day. This happened, the, the Halloween costumes. And I had not yet seen, you know, all the things. And even my kids, they travel with us internationally. And John, I'm like, ski poles made it in the overhead. But that was a first for me. I've seen a lot, but I haven't seen it all. And so, uh, you know, a dead yak, a lamp, a mattress, but now ski poles. <laughs> Sombreros, guitars. And so, but I, the thing is that flying is very agitating, is very stressful, just like going to the mall. So you, so you have to figure out in the natural, and so what do I do when I have to go to the mall? I get a Starbucks because we're going to do this with peace and joy. But yeah, I'm dipping down in my spirit, man. Lord, I'm worshiping you. I'm grateful. The season is about you. Is there anyone you want me to pray for? But what I'm saying is uh, don't discount the natural side of things that God will give you that will work for you. It is always the natural and the supernatural coming together in your life that make an explosive force for God. Amen. So we're going to be undisturbed. We're not going to be perturbed anymore. So grab the hand of the person standing next to you. Let's close our eyes and let's make this confession of our faith today to the Father. Father, thank you for giving me a sound mind, full of love and power. My mind is calm. My mind is redeemed from racing. I will not have a bombarded mind. From now on, if a thought is not going to bring me calmness, I will not allow my attention to go there. I will pay attention to your word only. I will not let my eyes, ears, thoughts, or heart Depart from it. I am the master of my attention. I remain undisturbed. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I love you. Don't miss tonight. Ladies, I'll see you in a minute at Panera. Go grow, and I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.